You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 29. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation issues from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Our guest on today's show is an expert on using Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general to raise money for a project. Jamie Stegmeier is the co-founder of Stonemeyer Games, a board game design company. Jamie actually found the inspiration to start his company after running his first Kickstarter campaign for a board game that he designed called Viticulture. The campaign was extremely successful, and Jamie realized that he had tapped into a community that was highly engaged in his work. Instead of stopping there, he founded Stonemeyer Games, designed his next board game, and launched another campaign on Kickstarter just eight months later. This time around, he surpassed his funding goal on the first day of his campaign and ultimately raised over $300,000 with close to 5,000 backers. Now, throughout this time period, Jamie had been providing expert advice to other Kickstarter creators and started blogging more and more about how to run a successful campaign on Kickstarter. He's currently in the process of writing a book about Kickstarter and how the platform can be used to launch a product or project. Jamie has some amazing advice to share, both for folks who are just starting to think about a crowdfunding campaign and for folks like myself who are in the midst of an active campaign. You'll definitely want to check out the show notes for this episode where we'll have more information about Jamie's projects and links to a vast amount of knowledge and advice on Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general. Of course, you'll also find a link to our active Kickstarter campaign for Souls of the Vermilion Sea, which we discuss and critique at length in this interview. Uh, these show notes can be found at wildlandsinc.org slash EOC29. Let's jump into this conversation. All right. I am here with Jamie Stegmeyer, who is a fellow Kickstarter creator and the president of Stonemeyer Games. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you and uh, hear a little bit about your background and your experience uh, running Kickstarter campaigns. Um, so let I, I kind of want to start things off by just getting a little bit of background from you. Um, and I, I mentioned that you're the president of this company called Stonemeyer Games. Uh, maybe you could just start off by ex- explaining, you know, what what this is all about. Yeah, I. Uh a couple of years ago, I mean, Stillmeyer Games and Kickstarter are definitely uh, very closely related. I started this company a few years ago with a friend of mine when we had a successful Kickstarter campaign for um, a game that I that I designed called Viticulture, and uh, we kind of I, I kind of used that as the launching point for a company that that grew from there, and we now have a couple games, and I've launched a couple other Kickstarter campaigns. Um. So yeah, that's what I do full time now. I, I Kickstarter has kind of launched this this new career for me in uh, in board game publishing. Neat, yeah, it's neat to hear that it was actually that that initial Kickstarter campaign for your game Viticulture um, that 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 actually happened before you uh, founded your business. So I I I, I kind of want to delve in just a little bit to uh, this interest of yours in. Um, designing board games because what a fascinating thing to do um how did this uh, where did this interest come from I, I imagine this was a hobby before it was a profession it was yeah it's kind of been one of my 
my I guess one of my geeky hobbies that I've had my my entire life. I've I've enjoyed uh, designing board games and, and playing board games my whole life. And uh, thanks, I, I, well before well not well before a couple of years before I decided to put a game on Kickstarter, I started noticing that other Kickstarter campaigns started. Uh, there were other board game Kickstarter campaigns, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess. I, I guess I hadn't realized how robust the board game industry was and how interested people were, how, how excited people could get about something like that well in advance of it coming out, um, which helped the Kickstarter campaigns. On, on your side, have you, have, you, uh, have you been a filmmaker your entire life? Is that a hobby growing up? And what I'm curious about your, your first like, film exposure to Kickstarter. So I founded my uh, nonprofit video production company, Wildlands, um, well before we ever ran a Kickstarter campaign. Um, we are actively running a Kickstarter campaign right now for a film, uh, our film called Souls of the Vermilion Sea, about the struggle to save the vaquita, which is the world's most endangered marine mammal. Um, and we also two years ago ran a successful Kickstarter campaign for our last uh, documentary film, Bluebird Man. Um, yeah, we kind of came into it as you know, uh, for uh, as a filmmaker, you know, there are lots and lots of filmmakers using uh, Kickstarter and other crowdfunding campaigns um, to to sort of raise you know seed money for film projects. Um, so it's it's kind of uh, it, it it's a very crowded space. It seems like yeah. for filmmakers on these crowdfunding platforms, um, you know, and uh, it's uh, you know I don't I don't know what else to say aside from you know we 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 found a way to make that first campaign for Bluebird Man successful. Um, you know, it was a lot of work, uh, as I'm sure you know. Anyone who has ran a Kickstarter campaign will tell you is you know it's 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 a lot more work than maybe you even anticipate you know even if you prepare for it uh, ahead of time like you should um, and um, yeah you know I I think there's 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 an interesting I, I kind of want to delve into this you know as as we get this conversation moving forward but um, yeah I, I'm curious to hear about sort of the you know the similarities and differences between what what you're doing. Uh, using Kickstarter for uh, your uh, board game company um, and what filmmakers are doing and, and how they're using these platforms uh, uh, to raise money. Because there are definitely some, some differences, you know. I mean, uh, at least most Kickstarter campaigns or crowdfunding campaigns for films um, and, and also, you know, for scientific research because there are, you know, crowdfunding campaigns, you know, that are geared specifically towards funding scientific research and um, so that, that's, you know, uh, something to, that, that a lot of um, sort of academic scientists are, are considering as an option to, to raise funds for their scientific research as well. Um, and, and I think, you know, something that's similar between these two types of crowdfunding campaigns is that there are, you know, most of the people who are running them are running them more like a traditional fundraising campaign rather than like a pre-sale uh, for a product which seems like more in line with what you're doing with your gaming company. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is that, A, it's just, you know, what, what people know, you know. Um, I, I think there are more people out there that, that have at least a little bit of information about how to, you know, a little bit of background knowledge on how to run a more traditional uh, fundraising campaign. Um, 
but also because it's hard to come up with like really good concrete reward items. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, for for a film, you know, the the obvious uh, sort of central reward item is the final film, right? right. But you know, a, a DVD doesn't cost that much, you know, and it doesn't feel right to charge folks, you know, more than the actual cost of, you know, what you would pay for that DVD, you know, uh, online or in a store or something, um, you know, 10 or 20 bucks. Um, and it, it, it's just hard, you know, it's hard to, to get, you know, you, you either need to uh, come up with, you know, higher dollar reward items to get those larger pledges coming in. Um, or you really need to like uh, find a way to get that campaign to go viral, um, so you can get you know s- pre-sell a whole lot of the, of DVD copies of that film, right? Um, right. So, anyways, I, that you kind of got me off on uh, on on a long tangent there, but <laughs> um, but well, I'll, I'll, let's explore that a little bit though, because I, I think that's an interesting topic. The the intersection between um, I don't want to call it I don't want to call it charity, but it, uh, you th- through your campaign, you're trying to do something good. Like you're not just making a video. That's a big part of it. You're making a film, but you, it also sounds like you have a real passion and interest. And uh, I think some of the backers share this interest in helping the Vaquita. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I, the, the people who are pledging to to this campaign running now are, I, I think, 100 percent across the board. Um, you know, the reward items are a bonus, but they're not doing it solely. F- to get those reward items, they're doing it because they want to uh, contribute to a project that they believe in, and they want to sort of help us, you know, tell the story of the Vaquita. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there, are, there. To me, there are almost three different types of backers that you probably have right now. One is the one that you just described. There are people who care about the Vaquita and maybe environmentalism in general, or, or. Uh, aquatic biology and that's their passion and so they're back in the project because of that and the second group of people um are people who care about you personally matthew or um for for me for example uh my kind of cousin neil is involved in your project a little bit right neil pepperaki right right and so i want neil to do well and so i'm back in this project because i i believe in neil and then there's a third category that I think is almost separate than those two, and you've touched upon it, but it's the category of people who want to be entertained by the film. Like they're interested in the film, and that's tied to the reward. You know, they want that. They want an interesting film, documentary, and story to be told. Um, so I think it's. I, I'm curious what you're doing to kind of uh, to reach out to and. Kind of meet the needs and the and the desires of the, each of those three categories because they're very different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you know, f- first and foremost, you know, like you said, you know that that base level of supporters uh, for this project and for Bluebird Man, um, you know, came from folks. You know, our sort of. Uh, uh, I, I, I guess our fundraising base, you know, so yeah. even though we hadn't run a Kickstarter campaign before our campaign for Bluebird Man two years ago, we had run fundraising campaigns. Right. So we had a base of supporters, people who are interested in what we're doing, um, at friends and family, you know, of both myself and other folks involved in these projects and all the folks that are on our board of directors. Um, so, I mean, that is absolutely, you know, sort of the most, uh, I, I guess when we launched the campaign, you know, that's sort of what we rely on, um, to get that initial support. 
Um, but then, you know, on, on top of that, we're reaching out to, we're really targeting folks that, that have, you know, sort of an in, in inherent interest or an already established interest in um, the, the subject matter of, right. of each film. So with Bluebird Band, you know, we were working closely with the North American Bluebird Society, this large continent-wide nonprofit that, you know, really got this, this citizen science campaign um, you know, associated with bluebird conservation going back in the 70s. Um, and so working very closely with them to reach out to this, you know, uh, relatively large audience of, of folks who are already very interested in, in bluebird research and conservation. And, and that's sort of the same thing that, that we're, we're doing with this new uh, documentary about the vaquita is we're working very closely with all these organizations that are involved in conservation and outreach and research in relation to to the vaquita, but also marine mammal conservation in, in general. Um, right. So that that's sort of our, um, I, I guess those are like the, the two primary things that, that, that we're working on in regards to the campaign at this point. Um, and, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of sort of subcategories of that, you know, as far as different ways to collaborate with these groups um, to, to, you know, get the information about the campaign out there. Um, right. that, that's sort of that's sort of the base level. I want to. Um, I, I appreciate that you're sort of throwing a lot of these questions back at me. Um, <laughs> it makes for a fun conversation. But I, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the campaigns that, that you've run um, and just get a sense, you know, so that people understand sort of where you're coming from because you've had just unbelievable success with uh, with Kickstarter as a platform. Um, and I, so I just kind of want folks to to have that background inf- um, information on on you and sort of where you're coming from. Um, sure. So maybe you could just kind of give give me a quick overview um, on uh, you know how things started with your first campaign for your game Viticulture um, yeah. and sort of where that that led you and what what your next steps were. Yeah. So the the first campaign for Viticulture um, it was it was one of those kind of make or break things. Like we, I had this game I wanted to publish and to publish a board game, you typically need to manufacture about a thousand to 1500 copies. The company that I work with called Panda, their, their minimum print run is 1500 copies. So that kind of gives board game creators a set goal. Um, so every, every copy of the game costs like 12 bucks to make at the manufacturer level. Then you know that you have, Twelve bucks times fifteen hundred copies that you need to produce as a, as a basis. So that's like the base funding goal, and then you have to raise money to ship and all that stuff. But I knew like I, I wouldn't be able to publish the game without that, or I could take a more traditional route and submit the game to board game publishers, similar to how if you have a book that you've written, you'd submit that to publishers to consider. Um, but I didn't want to go that route. I I'm fascinated in the Kickstarter and crowdfunding as a way to have individual interactions and relationships with a lot of people who are passionate about the product. Um, I think you can probably relate to that through your campaign. You have, these are individual people, like you're seeing their names as they support the campaign. And that to me is really cool. Um, yeah, that's absolutely important. I mean, that's one of the greatest benefits we got out of our campaign for our film Bluebird Band, yeah. you know, beyond the the money that we were able to raise, which provided that seed money for the film. Um, is yeah, I mean these you know we have this sort of base of two hundred people you know, or a little uh, a little over two hundred people I think that that pledged to that Bluebird Man campaign, who like we know are have this strong interest in the story that we're trying to tell, um, and uh, yeah, I mean that that 
provides a huge benefit as you continue to, you know, with a, with a film at least, um, as, uh, you know, as we continue to, to promote the story, you know, once it was complete, as we started, you know, shipping DVDs out, um, throughout the whole process, it's, it's been a huge benefit. Yeah. I, I've seen that a lot on, on my end too. Like with the Viticulture campaign, I, I didn't know how eager people would be to like test the game during the campaign. Like they, they literally like would print out a version of the game and, and play test it um, and offer comments on that. Or they would just proofread the rule book. Like there was just, I guess that you can call them volunteers in a way they were volunteering to do these things. I wasn't paying them to do it, but it was really, it was driven by their, their, I think their passion to be a part of the creation of something which to me was really cool, especially since I was so excited about the game, to have all these other people who were really excited about it and wanted to actually make it good, too. Um, now, I learned a lot from that because I, I, w- I kind of wished the game had been better going into the campaign because it resulted in a lot of work during and after the campaign to actually have a complete game and have a, a, a solid game. Um, so in subsequent campaigns, I did a lot more development and testing and and design in advance of the campaign. And I still tried to engage those original backers as, as you guys have kind of done with Bluebird man um, and tried to bring in new people to engage them too. So I kind of built up this audience of people who were passionate about what we were doing. And then I launched another campaign about eight months later and that one like Viticulture raised about $65,000 in uh, I think it was about 42 days the next campaign I launched, thanks to all that buildup and that momentum and that those relationships I formed, it raised over $35,000 on the first day. So it, it kind of really built up to this, this spike, and that momentum carried through that project and ended up doing really well. I think I had over 5,000 backers, and it raised over $300,000, which was a huge surprise to me. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's amazing. And I mean, you talked about a few of the sort of things that you learned through running that first campaign that allowed you to make that subsequent, subsequent campaign, you know, even more uh, successful uh, in a very dramatic way. Um, But what other sort of, uh, you know, tips and tricks did you, did you sort of learn that allowed you to have such great success uh, the next time around? Well, I mean, a, a big part of the difference is that I and my company were completely unknown before the Viticulture campaign because we didn't even really exist. Like, we only existed because we had a successful Kickstarter campaign. And th- I guess there are two paths that I could have taken there. I could have kind of gone dark after the Viticulture campaign and just kind of worked on the game and produced it and then put it out kind of quietly. Um, and if I had done that, the next campaign might have successfully funded it probably would have but i don't think it would have done nearly as well and so i kind of took the other path where instead of going dark i really embraced this community of people through the campaign and in the board the greater board game community that i was opened up to through the original campaign i didn't really know how robust it was and how awesome the people were who are a part of that community um, mostly online but also through conventions um and so I just, I just kind of, I dove right in. I, I, I spent hours and hours every day uh, interacting on online forums about games and talking to people. And I kept the backers updated through kind of behind the scenes sneak peeks about how the 
how the game was being made. Um, and I think uh, the, the one other difference probably is that I went into the uh, – one thing I recommend to all board game reviewers, uh, uh, board game creators, or anyone who's like creating a thing that uh, – I don't know how to put, say this, but like a thing that may or, not, may, or may not be good or, or interesting. I, well, I'll think of a better way to say that in a second. But um, <laughs> basically we got, we got reviewers to review the game, um, the second game, before we launched the campaign. Um, or like right before, so people coming to the page on day one could could see that there's a third party opinion of someone saying, "I like this game," or "Here's what I like about this game." Right. You know that I I don't know really how to put that because I'm kind of thinking of your project too when I think of that. I don't a film project isn't there's nothing there yet for them to review. I guess they could review previous films that you've made. Sure, sure. But you don't have. Uh, Unless you have like a what do they call it a sizzle sizzle reel or something? What do they call it in the film industry? <laughs> yeah, I mean a, a, a trailer. You know, I mean, yeah, trailer, that, that yeah. was yeah. I mean, and, and um, I, obviously, you know, especially, I mean, video is extremely important for yeah. for all you know any crowdfunding campaign having a really high quality uh, video that that really shows uh, you know potential backers you know what. The project or the product is is going to be like really allow them to sort of interact with it um, as as much as is possible, um, which is definitely something that that you've done um, on on all of your campaigns, uh, really well produced videos, um, and obviously that's particularly important when you're uh, uh, when you're the project itself you're trying to raise money for is um, is a film project. Um, yeah. But yeah, it does present sort of uh, some difficulty for sure because you know a lot of filmmakers are using campaigns like this just to get seed money right as they're starting the project because that's sort of the stage where it's most difficult to raise money from outside sources. You know, it's it's most difficult to get those sponsorships. Um, it's most difficult to get that grant money um, before you have anything to show for you know, this, this new project you're about to launch. Uh, but of course that also makes it difficult to, you know, put together, uh, a video or any type of content that, that really explains what this story and what this project is going to be about. Um, and yeah, you know, with this, with, with this, uh, film that we're working on right now, this Kickstarter campaign for this, uh, documentary about the Vaquita, um, it's particularly difficult because, um, we uh, this is a film that we're sort of i mean i don't know i i the, i i feel like this is something that sets this project apart and so we've really been trying to promote that aspect of it uh, mm-hmm. but this is a film that we're going to be shooting over the next 3 years um right. and it's a film that you know we 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 have we really have no idea what the outcome of the story is going to be um so you know sort of the nature of this issue uh, sort of one of the inspirations for us to jump into it um came when a group of researchers and biologists who have been working closely uh, with the Vaquita and Vaquita recovery efforts basically came out with um, a projection um, based on the number of uh, Vaquita porpoises remaining in the wild and the annual rate of decline of the population. They projected that the species will be extinct in three years unless, you know, very dramatic action is taken to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of, you know, we, we saw that announcement. We we're like, hmm, this is a really unique opportunity 
to tell the story of a species recovery effort, you know, in real time as it plays out, uh, you know, knowing that at the end of three years, there's a there's a pretty good chance that, you know, that this species could be extinct, you know, and, and we'll have a film that will be about extinction, you know, and, and, and how, you know, we as humans deal with the extinction of, of a fellow species. Um, right. But it could also be a story about how these group of people were able to turn things around for the species and, and save them and really bring them back from, um, from the brink of extinction. Um, so, it's yeah it's it's very hard to sort of uh i mean i guess that's why we've been sort of promoting the approach right it's yeah. it's a unique approach that you know as far as we know no other filmmaker has attempted to tell the story of an endangered species recovery effort in this way um and so you know we want to be very upfront like we don't know what this we really don't you know know what the outcome of this story is going to be right um, but yeah, you know, putting that trailer together was particularly difficult, you know, um, working with very limited footage because n- not that much footage has been shot yet, um, but also not knowing what the outcome of the story will be. Right, um, right. But I think that makes it kind of compelling, too. You're, you're, this isn't, this is, I mean, this is the spirit of Kickstarter to me. This is something that won't exist unless you fund it and you don't know what's going to happen next. You're, you're prepared you're ready to make a film. It's not like it's your first time doing that, but the the story itself is untold. I think that's exciting. You're at the beginning of something, which is exciting to people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I think we're tapping into a little bit of that, and hopefully, as these next couple of weeks uh, play out, we'll um, yeah continue to generate interest and and yeah, ho- hopefully meet meet that meet that goal we set for ourselves. Um, right. So you've become you know uh, sort of as a result of these great successes that you have had uh, using Kickstarter to fund uh, these board game projects, um, you, you, you've become something of a, of a guru within this <laughs> space, you know, um, you know, uh, blogging about sort of crowdfunding uh, techniques and, and, and specifically, you know, uh, using the Kickstarter platform. Um, I, I guess I'm just curious, you know, what, what this transition for, for you has been like, you know, it seems like you've been spending more and more time over these past few years, you know, just talking about and putting out content about, uh, you know, the, the, the platform itself, um, yeah. and, you know, sort of helping other people become successful in, in their campaigns. Yeah, that became, uh, that became a huge part of of uh, of what I do and what Stonemaier Games like. I, I basically I've made a lot of mistakes, and I will I I will continue to make mistakes in my campaigns, and I want to communicate those mistakes to other people so they don't have to make them themselves. And every creator is going to make mistakes and learn from it, but there are just so many things that I've learned firsthand that I want to share with people so I'll, they don't have to go through the same thing. At least not as as extreme as I as I may have. Um, so I really, I mean, it really started after the Viticulture campaign where I started, I wanted to keep writing about something on the, the Stonemaier Games blog. And for a while I was kind of writing about uh, game development and, and how to, you know, the, the, the types of behind the scenes stuff that I would usually put in a project update, I was putting them on the blog. And I was like, you know, this is so, this is about, I'm making this blog about me and about like the little things that I'm doing that I find interesting 
um, why not make it something that can actually add value to other people? Um, why not why not help other people? So, um, and the blog was a good way to do it because, and part of it was also a little bit selfish because a lot of people were coming to me for kind of uh, consultations about their campaigns. And it was fun at first, but then as I was trying to have a full-time job and run Stonemaier Games and help all these individual creators, it, it kind of piled up and I was like, okay, I'd rather put these these lessons in a format where anyone can access them at any time and that I'm not I'm not needed anymore for them to to have to get that insight. Um and so that's where the, the blog kind of comes sprung from. And it's grown I guess there are there are over what I, I wrote one one fifty two the other day. There are 152 Kickstarter lessons and I have a and they're all free. They're all on my my website at Kickstarterlessons.com. And then I have a book about Kickstarter and crowdfunding coming out uh, this September. So in a few months, I'll have that coming out. So I'm hoping that will reach people, uh, kind of people like you, filmmakers, who or, or people in other categories of Kickstarter. Because a lot of people who read my blog are game creators. Um, so I'm trying to reach out. Hopefully the book will reach some of those other creators in other categories. Fantastic. And yeah, that's super exciting to hear about uh, that book that's that's coming out soon. Definitely, definitely excited to check that out. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was sort of my next question was, you know, how much of this, um, how much of this uh, advice, you know, and this this content that that you're putting on your blog, I mean, how much of it is geared specifically towards, uh, you know, folks who are working within the same space as you, uh, game creators, versus just sort of general information that is applicable to any Kickstarter campaign for any type of project. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I, I would say early on, it was probably, it was a lot more geared towards game creators. Um, even though a lot of the entries still applied to anybody at this point though, probably for over the past year, um, it, probably 99% of the content is for any crowdfunder. Uh, and it, every once in a while I'll write an entry that's just for board game creators and I'll kind of label it, you know, this one's for this one's for gamers, um, but the vast majority of them are yeah, they're for anybody. They're anybody who has a, a passion, something they want to create, or maybe some, ideally something they've already created or started to create, and they need uh, funding and community to help bring it to the the level to to actually produce it and make it make it really awesome. Yeah, it's for every, it's for everybody at this point. Fantastic. Well. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm wondering, I mean, we, we, we sort of started to delve into, you know, some of these questions about how to approach uh, a crowdfunding campaign, um, you know, as someone who's sort of just considering uh, one of these platforms as an option to raise some yeah. funding for a project. Um, I, I mean, what, what's the first bit of advice that you would share with someone in, in, in this type of situation? Well, let's 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 clarify that a little bit. Uh, it, someone in this type of situation, you mean someone who's in the middle of their campaign, or someone who's thinking about launching a crowdfunding campaign? No, someone who is sort of just starting to think about crowdfunding as a way to uh, raise some money for a project. Yeah, the the that's that's a the, the person in that situation. Um, I I would highly recommend to anyone. Actually, two things kind of. One, that they start to build their crowd, their fan base, or their tribe well in advance of launching the campaign. And usually this 
the way that I recommend that this translates is that um, I recommend to people that they help other people in some way. Um, there, you know, there are a million ways that we can help other people, but ideally, if uh, find people who are passionate about the thing you're passionate about and try to help them a little bit. So maybe uh, a uh, someone who wants to launch a campaign about baking, they might go on Kickstarter and they might pick a few campaigns that are also about baking and cooking. And they might go out of their way to help those campaigns, not necessarily through through monetary um, assistance, but through uh, spreading the word about those campaigns or really actively engaging in those campaigns, um, proofreading the project page. or There's any way that you can help those people, not just on, on Kickstarter too, but in any place where people gather in, in real life or online to talk about that subject and inter- interact with that subject and to start to build that community. And the second thing, which is closely tied to that, is to back some Kickstarter campaigns or crowdfunding campaigns of any form. Because you can learn so much, I think, from following a campaign pretty closely to see what the creator does to what, what, uh, like, what the best creators do to engage backers and to make them feel special and to create something awesome. And then compare them kind of to the creators who don't do a good job of doing that. Um, not to belittle those creators, but to kind of so you can learn from them. Um, and learn from your emotional reaction to what they're doing that isn't resonating with you, so you know not to do it on your campaign. Like, have you experienced that when you when you backed other campaigns that you, there's something that either really ignites that passion in you, or it kind of just fizzled out? And maybe it's something specifically that that creator did. No, I, I think you made a really important point there, which is just engaging folks you yeah. know, on the platform. That you're going to utilize if it's, I mean, or, or, or any platform, you know, I mean, like you said, it doesn't even have to be Kickstarter or doesn't even have to be like help specifically for a crowdfunding campaign. Um, but yeah, folks within your niche um, and getting them on board early. Um, and, and I love that just finding a way um, to, to help them in, in some small way. Um, and, you know, an, an easy way to do that, right is to find folks that that do have crowdfunding campaigns or Kickstarter campaigns and just make a pledge, right? It doesn't even have to be for that much money. You're, right. you're just showing your support and you're showing your willingness to help out. And, you know, if you pledge to someone else's campaign, then when it comes time for you to run your campaign, I mean, I think you can it, – it, it's, it seems pretty reliable, right, that they're going to make a pledge, um, as well, and they're going to help you know at least do a little bit to help you out by sharing um, your campaign um, on you know social media pages um, and and close friends and whatnot. Um, so that is huge, and I, I'm just uh, you know I, I I noticed this earlier as I was preparing for this interview. I just pulled up your Kickstarter profile, um, and you have backed 149 projects on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, I have, and. Uh... Many of them are, as you described, there. I mean, for the most part, almost now, I, I do. There are a few projects that I'm completely not connected to that I get excited about. I want the thing to, to exist, and I want it, or I want to watch it, or be a part of it. But the vast majority are, are projects that I am s- somehow personally tied to, usually by a, a truly genuine connection. I would say it goes well beyond someone just backing one of my projects or someone asking me to back their project. It's these are people I, I genuinely care about, and I want them to do something special. And 
I've never met I, I've met very few of the people whose projects I've backed. Um, it's it's that I mean, those connections go such a long way. I'm sure you have some among your backers. I, I bet you have some people who maybe you've had very limited interactions with, but they've been important interactions that have resulted in them wanting to be a part of what you're trying to create. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, like like you said, that's a huge a huge part of making these types of campaigns successful. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just thought I'd sort of bring that up just to sort of show people that, you know, um, the, the importance of, uh, or, or, or I guess, you know, to, to show people what, what a pledge really means on a, on a crowdfunding campaign. Right. Um, right. Cause I, I think for folks who are, um, unfamiliar with, uh, with the process, um, you know, that, that's something that, um, I, th- I think is Im- important to bring to light, right? And if there are folks out there, I mean, part of this is sort of a, you know, a, a shameless plug for our, you know, currently active Kickstarter campaign. But, you know, if there are, you know, a, 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 we work with a lot of aspiring filmmakers, probably, you know, many of which have at least contemplated at some point running a crowdfunding campaign for a film project. Um, and, you know, if, if you make a pledge to our campaign for this documentary about the Vikita soul called souls of the Vermilion sea. Um, you know, you're, you're showing your support for our project. It doesn't matter what the size of that pledge is. Um, but you know, you're saying that you care enough to sort of become a part of telling this story. Um, and when you reach that point, you know, whether it's in six months or in three years, when you're going to launch your campaign for your project, um, you know, we, we remember that, you know, and, and, and you're now someone that, that we want to support. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it's that easy, you know, even if that, you know, even if it's, you know, something that's years down the road, like someday I'm going to run a, a crowdfunding campaign for a film that I produce or for, you know, a, a scientific research project that, that I'm working on developing. Um, yeah, that's it's that, that that's an important, I guess, first step is engaging um, with other projects and engaging um, with the platform. And I like that you said that. Oftentimes, that engagement starts with like a five dollar pledge or even a one dollar pledge. It's it's a show of support, and then that gets them in the door to engage with you further. I mean, it's nice to get those hundred dollar pledges too, but um, I, I've seen a lot of projects, new creators start off by just encouraging people or to do that that $1 pledge or that really low pledge to kind of get them in the door and then those people become a part of the community and often later increase their pledge before the end of the project. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's something that 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 I have to stress, you know, because you know, we're reaching out to a lot of uh a lot of other filmmakers out there, um, you know, and um you know, filmmakers in general don't make very much money, you know, and, and yeah. I, I don't expect, you know, filmmakers out there to have a hundred bucks to throw around, um, you know, to get some of these uh, larger reward items um, that, that we're offering on the page. Um, and yeah, we just, we, you know, we're just looking for, we're, we're looking to build that network, you know. And so, yeah, even, even, even just a $1 or a $5 pledge, um, you know, it brings you into the circle um, and it, it sort of makes you uh, a, a part of the project, which which is really important. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, so I, we had started to touch on this, and but I kind of want to delve back into it and maybe explore this a little bit more. Have you provided, you know, uh, sort of specific advice for uh, film projects on Kickstarter and other crowdfunding platforms? I mean, l- like we sort of started off discussing, you know, it's it's a very crowded space for filmmakers. There are a lot of filmmakers out there that are using these platforms to to raise money for their projects. Um, you know, some to great success and others not so much. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's important to stand out, you know, um, uh, within that crowd. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of one challenge that as a filmmaker you face when developing a crowdfunding campaign. Um, but then the other one is, you know, the fact that your re- sort of uh, inherent reward item um, which for a film is going to be that the final product, you know, either a digital download or a DVD or Blu-ray um, of the film, <clears throat> and you know, it, it those aren't big dollar items, you know, um, mm-hmm. you 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 really can't expect people to to pledge, you know, more than ten or twenty dollars to uh, uh, to secure that copy um, of your film, um, right. so. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess I'm wondering if if you have any sort of specific advice for folks uh, in that situation, sort of facing um, these specific dilemmas. Well, I, I think you structured your campaign really well. I, I think you're right. Like, if you had charged thirty five dollars for the DVD, um, even I, who want to see Neil, I, I want to see Neil do well and see you guys do well. I thirty five would have seemed like that. It would be it would be too much, you know, for for a DVD. I know I know how much a DVD is cost to make, and I I know roughly how much a film costs to make. Um, so I think I think you structured it really well. I mean, you included those those lower reward levels for people who want the film, and then you have some some higher limited reward levels and unlimited reward levels for people who want specific items. And who knows if people like are really passionate about those items, or if they just wanted an excuse to give you more money for because they're passionate about you or the Paquita or the project. It doesn't really matter. They they felt good about giving that money. Um, so I, I think you've you've structured the campaign, at least the reward structure, really well. Are you are you not uh, happy with it? Oh no no no! I I think um, I, I am happy with the way it's structured. I guess I was sort of looking for. I mean, I guess if you know, if if you imagine uh, someone who is you know maybe not in the situation where we're in, we're in, we're sort of in the midst of a uh, an active campaign. We've already sort of put a lot of thought into you know structuring our reward levels um, and just sort of structuring the campaign in in general. Um, but you know, for those folks who are just starting to think about this as an option. Um, you know, who, who are filmmakers, um, you know, what steps would you recommend them taking in order to overcome these difficulties that they're, you know, almost definitely going to encounter? And this is sort of assuming that they, you know, are going to structure their campaign in a way that makes sense, right? Which is, right. you know, setting, you know, uh, setting those reward levels at, at, at a place that, that makes sense and that reflects the actual value of the item. Right. Well, I, I mean, one of the, I, the, really the biggest one is the one I've already mentioned, the idea of building that crowd in advance of launching. That, that's huge. Um, because the second thing I'll say is 
uh, and we've kind of touched upon this too, but to have a really beautiful, especially for a film project, you need a really beautiful video trailer to show people that you're capable of handling the content and producing something that's awesome. Um, and so, but if you, I mean, you can have a beautiful trailer on Kickstarter, a beautiful video, but if you haven't built up that crowd in advance, no one's going to see it. Kickstarter helps promote very few projects. I, I don't know the percentage, but it's very, very small out of all the projects on there. So um, you can't really rely on Kickstarter to promote your project. It's got to come from that crowd base who discovers it, um, and who you introduce it to them, and then they help spread the word about this beautiful thing that you've created. So I think it's, for film projects, it's a combination of those two things. But it's all, all kind of nice for a film project because your abilities are right there on the screen for the person to judge within two to three minutes, right? Like they can, they can see how how good of a filmmaker you are. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that's I think that's a big part of why it's become uh, such a I guess a universal tool for filmmakers to to raise seed money for film projects. Is because right. you're right. It, it it does seem like a natural fit, even though there are, you know, obviously obstacles to overcome, as there is with you know a- any type of crowdfunding campaign for any type of you know, product or project um, that you're attempting to get up off the ground. Um, so I guess I'm wondering at this point, um, I mean, may, may, you know, may, maybe we can sort of, you know, delve into some specifics yeah. re- relating to our campaign, you know, um, and as, as you sort of take a look at um, our active Kickstarter campaign for this uh, this new film called Souls of the Vermilion Sea. Um, at, at this point, you know, and this is a pre-recorded interview, so by the time uh, we launch this, we'll be a little bit further along in the process. But um, as of the time that we're talking, we're right exactly at that halfway point, um, yeah. and we're almost we're not at we're not quite at the halfway point for our funding goal. So um, yeah, I'd I, I'd, cer- I'd I'd like to see makes me a little bit nervous, right? I'd, I'd yeah. like to see us, you know, sort of uh, uh, also at that halfway point of reaching our goal. We're not quite there. Um, although I do know that, you know, w- this is almost the exact same place that we were in with our Bluebird Man campaign. When we reached that halfway point, we were sort of just below where we wanted to be as far as, you know, uh, uh, getting the pledges to reach the goal. We were sort of just under the halfway point for reaching the funding goal. Um, and we, we definitely experienced sort of, especially in like the last week of the campaign, we definitely experienced a big boost, which I think seems like it happens. I mean, that's, that's part of the psychology of, you know, Kickstarter specifically and the fact that it's an all or nothing platform, um, is that, you know, folks really want to see that campaign succeed. And, um, as the sort of end date gets closer, you know, we definitely got a surge of interest, um, and a surge in pledges, um, but we are sort of, uh, you know, taking additional steps to to make sure that we sort of stay on track. So we will be launching a match campaign um, tomorrow, which will be continuing through the end of the through the end of this coming Friday, the nineteenth. Um, yeah, and we we did that that same thing for our um, Bluebird Man campaign as well, um, as sort of a way to get folks excited as we sort of enter this middle period where there seems to be a little bit of a lull in activity um, just to give us another reason to 
you know, to reach out to people and convince them to make that pledge. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess in general, you know, just sort of looking at where we're at right now, if there's any sort of any thoughts or comments or advice that, um, you might throw at us. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're at such a pivotal point in the project. Um, and I think I, your, your announcement about the, the uh, match will be, that's a big deal. I think that's going to, you'll know after, after a couple of days, if your project is going to fund after you announce that match. Um, and I guess I want to make sure that, uh, that you leverage that opportunity. I'm sure you're preparing for it and, and you you are ready, but one of the things I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking back at your, not the last project update, but the one right before that, where you had uh, kind of a call to action for backers. Um, and it's, it's most of it I thought was really good, but there's one part that I would suggest changing when you do the announcement for the match. So I, your, your announcement in, in this update, two updates ago says that, uh, it says it's important to keep in mind that we're all in this together, which is awesome. That's a great rallying cry. We're, we're doing this together. Um, but I think the part that could have been a little better and might, and you can improve this on, on your next announcement you have a line in here where you say, so helping us out by sharing this campaign around and talking about it with your friends and family is really important to the success of this project. And I would agree with that, but it's also at such kind of a, even though it may seem specific, it's actually kind of, it's pretty vague as to what someone can do with that. And it was, it's, I think it's very easy for a backer to kind of read that and just move on and not actually do anything. So the thing I'd recommend that you try Instead of asking for people to to broadcast it, um, ask them to share the project with one specific person, and then specify who that person is. Um, for example, you could say, um, "Share this project with the last person you went snorkeling with." That might be a little bit too specific because not everyone has snorkeled. But when I say that, when I say that to you, Matthew, can you think of a specific person? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So you right away you thought of that person, and now you have a pretty easy chance to just go to that person and say, hey, like I'm back in this campaign. I think it's awesome. And if you back it in the next couple of days, they're going to match your pledge. That's a really easy excuse to email someone out of the blue and share something with them. Um, you don't, and you might be able to do it with a couple different people. Like Think of like the two people that someone could share it with. Um, and sometimes that can – just that, that little evidence, that concreteness of it can help someone – choose a specific person who's actually fairly likely to actually pledge rather than maybe a social media broadcast that isn't going to do anything. Right. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I actually really like that, you know, and that, that's something that, um, that's something that, that we're still learning, you know, um, and you know, a, a lot of sort of the work that, that we put into this campaign as we were sort of building, um, you know, building our audience, I guess, for this film project, but, you know, also sort of building, um, that crowd of folks that you know are, are interested in supporting um, the the funding campaign itself, um, you know what one of those uh, I guess central things that we were asking for as we approached, you know, especially these you know uh, larger organizations, you know, um, or other films, uh, you know, that have similar subject matter. Um, you know, one of the things we're asking is like, hey, we you know, it'd be great if you could share our campaign you know, on your social media pages. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm always 
I, I guess I, I was particularly struck by this, you know, because in, in that first week, you know, this the our Kickstarter campaign was everywhere, you know, on, on, on Facebook and Twitter, uh, at least within sort of the, you know, the marine mammal conservation world. Um, right. You know, all the largest, you know, marine mammal conservation groups were sharing it around, you know, these Facebook pages that have, you know, over 100,000 followers on them. Um, it was getting shared around on those and, you know, lots and lots of people were sharing it. Um, but you know, it, it's, it, it's amazing how few of those interactions actually result in a pledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because there is no, like, there's no personal touch to it, you know, right. whereas like you can send a personal email to a friend, um, you know, and just give like an anecdote about, um, about the story or about the campaign. And like, you know, that because you know, that person, um, you know, it, it, you know, there's a pretty good chance that, that you're going to be able to convince them to make that pledge. And, you know, I, I think that's true across the board, even if it's not your project, you know, but if it's, this is a project that you believe in, um, and that you want to see succeed, um, that's all that really matters. And you can, I think you can right. still achieve that, you know, getting that direct pledge, um, from someone, you know, just by sending a very simple sort of personal message to them. Um, right. So that's absolutely a, a phenomenon that 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 I've sort. I'm just sort of starting to pick up on. Um, well, I can't guarantee that it'll work. It's it, it. I think I think it'll increase your chances of someone uh, uh, actually going to the campaign page and checking it out. But like you said, I mean, it's there are a lot of Kickstarter projects out there right right now, and a lot of ways for people to contribute money to anything. So it's it's not easy. Um, you saw this through the all the sharing early on in the project. Doesn't always translate to people spending money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I like that. I mean, I think that's good advice. You know, I think that's a good way to, you know, I I, I think stressing that like, you know, uh, r- developing those person, you know, like developing a personal connection in regards to a project with someone you know is going to have a greater impact than just sort of broadcasting it. Right in a very general way, um, so that's that's definitely some good advice. I, I'm definitely going to sort of take that to heart um, when we do our next update here and announce this match. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I hope it helps. You know, thinking specifically about people who are in this situation, you know, where they're maybe sort of just starting to consider um, a crowdfunding campaign as as a way to to raise money for a project. Um, any yeah. sort of like parting advice for folks in that situation? Well, I actually think people can kind of take some advice about what you've done today, which I thought was great. You you reached out to me and you said, "Hey, Jamie, can we just can we have a chat about about Kickstarter and about my project and about your projects?" And that was that was a very inviting way for me to to join you on this podcast. And you know now that I'm going to share this podcast with my people. And you're probably going to share it with your people, and it's uh, you, we're both you you by initiating this, you've helped to build a, a bigger community of people who are talking about Kickstarter, talking about our projects, which I think is awesome. And so, I kind of back on that theme of building the crowd in advance. I I think people can take a nod from what you've done here and start to create some sort of content that adds value to other people, and it kind of gives you. A, an excuse and a platform to reach out to people who have some influence to 
to talk to to them. I'm not saying that I'm very important at all, um, but uh, but it does give you that excuse. And I've seen this with a lot of in the board game community, especially when people start a blog or a podcast. Suddenly, they have an excuse to reach out to pretty like famous game designers who are willing then to just chat on their podcast. Whereas without that platform, that may have taken them like ten minutes to create. It's not hard to create a blog or a podcast. Without that, the the designer wouldn't have written back. I'm kind of rambling here, but you see, what I'm saying you've created you've created a platform here, and I recommend that anyone do that. Start that blog, start that podcast, and suddenly you're going to have an excuse to to talk to people. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and that that has absolutely been um, something that I've seen happen since since I started this podcast, um, which uh, just about six months ago that that we started this podcast series. And you're right; it's it's really amazing that it, it sort of empowers you to to reach out to folks. Yeah, who you would maybe never think to to reach out to before because oh, they're they're sort of out of my reach, you know. Um, right. Whereas now you 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 have this platform, you know, and and by reaching out to that person who maybe seemed out of reach, you know, if they happen to say yes and come on your show, then now they're going to share that episode with their much larger network, um, right. and and that's sort of how you grow your audience, and and that audience is what you need to run that crowdfunding campaign. So exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think people can do what you're doing here, Matthew. That they're uh, they're off to a good start. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show and sharing this fantastic advice. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was great. Uh, great conversation. A lot of fun to chat with you. It was great to chat with you too. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. All right, that was our conversation with Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games. What a productive and enlightening conversation. My favorite interviews are the ones in which I learn new things over the course of the conversation. And in this interview, not only did I learn new things, but I got immediately actionable advice. Jamie's recommendation that we adjust the language that we're using when encouraging folks to share our campaign is excellent. And I've actually already put this into practice. I also have to tell everyone here that I am a big fan of Jamie's board games. The focus of this conversation was crowdfunding techniques because this is the most relevant to the show and I thought it would be helpful advice for many of our listeners. But it is important to remember that to run a successful Kickstarter campaign, you need to have a really special project and or product. Jamie's board games are absolutely something special. If there are any fans out there of strategic board games in the vein of Settlers of Catan, you are guaranteed to love Jamie's board games. You can check out the show notes for this episode to find a link to Jamie's website where you can learn more about his board games and order copies of his games. I'll also include a link here to Jamie's Kickstarter campaigns. I find that it's always instructive to look at successful campaigns on Kickstarter and see how they were structured. Those show notes can be found at wildlandsinc.org slash EOC29. Well, that's about all for this week. We'll be back next Wednesday with another Vaquita-themed interview. We'll be talking with Vaquita expert Lorenzo rojas Bracho. Today's show was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky. Our theme music is by The Humidors. <laughs>